Welcome back to the Coach's Edge Pod, part two with Coach Matt Neal. I'm your host, Steve Kramer. If you haven't listened to part one, make sure you do so. Go back to some awesome things on there regarding modern post play. In part two, Coach Neal breaks down the defensive side of the ball, how you can slow down a high-level post player. And he gives his thoughts on effective leadership. And it's a refreshing take. He's talking about being real, being vulnerable, having a service mindset with the people that you are trying to lead. He said, you don't have to be right. You have to be real. That was a great quote. Here's another one that I really loved. We strive to be the best. Maybe we ought to strive to make the world a better place. I mean, these are some golden nuggets that he dropped in this episode. All that and much more. Let's get to the podcast. Before we get into our interview, we'd like to thank our sponsor for this episode, Richardson Automotive of Standish and Gladwin, serving mid-Michigan in the thumb with their big three automotive needs. They have a wide range of products from Chevy, Buick, Ford, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, and Ram. They also have a large selection of pre-owned vehicles. With one of the largest selections of trucks in the state, they are sure to fit your needs. Standish and Gladwin, our truck country, stop in and see them today. And I can tell you from firsthand experience, they will get you right. When I lived in Ohio, I still went all the way up to Standish because I knew they were going to take care of me when it came to getting a new vehicle. Richardson Automotive of Standish and Gladwin, they are all about service. Defensively, you're going against a, a dominant low post score what are some tips and pieces of advice that you could give to, to players and coaches when you're trying to slow a player of that caliber down? Well, I think obviously you want your players to, to stay with it, stay within the framework of your defensive philosophy. You know, some coaches say we're always going to play behind. Some coaches say we're going to, we're going to front. We're going to, I'm, I'm a, my, my philosophy is, is one that is, is is that of I, I'm gonna I'm gonna front the best we can, not a full front, but to the but to the stomach front, but kind of a side front, and I would say but to the baseline. Um, it's how I always taught it. You know, I thought, um, quite honestly, I thought we were always pretty effective at doing that. Um, you know, I went over to uh, went over to Wisconsin when Coach <clears throat> Coach Ryan was still coaching, and I spent the weekend there and there was a time that they were working on post play and he was, they, they full fronted at that time. And he had his defender just sitting right down on the thigh of the guy posting up. And I said, you know, and I, and I, it's one of those, he told me, go ahead and interrupt anytime you see something. And so I raised my hand and I, I said, Hey coach. And the, I went right out on the court. And I said, why are you defending this post guy this way? I mean, he's posting up. You got your guy sitting right on his right on his thighs, and I just need a better understanding. He said, "Because I can't teach it the way you know how to teach it." He said, "You you know how to teach it. You took." And he said, "You guys took a great job. You did a great job of taking our post game away in the national tournament because of the way you defended the post." And I thought, hmm, I appreciated the comment, the compliment, but it was one I thought, gosh, you know what? It's it's true in anything. If you can teach it that way then teach it. Whatever way works coaches for you to teach it. And if you're effective at teaching it, do that. So, so in the defense of a, of a, of a post player, if you're, if the, the philosophy is such that we always front, then do that. If it's, we always play behind, 
then do that and be the best at it that you can. So I'm going to approach it, try to approach it from both sides of things here. With butt to the baseline, I think one of the things that I always t tell defenders is avoid the contact because on the, uh, conversely, we're telling the offensive player, make contact. So as a defender, avoid the contact. You know, don't lean on him. If you lean on him, now he's going to get you. He's going to step and seal you and your toast. So, so avoid the contact. Keep some space, but be able to, to be active and get around and be able to move effectively. So, so, for example, let's in our minds, coaches and listeners, imagine the ball being at the top of the key, being passed over to the right wing. So, so the guy is in the post already on, down on the block. You're on the high side because the ball is at the top of the key. Now the ball goes to the wing. Here's the proverbial difficulty. How do we get in front? How do we get around to front the defender? Yeah, and I've heard and many coaches pose that same thing. We'd, we'd like to front, but we feel like we're going to get burned some way, somehow. Yeah. So there are, there are two, different, two different ways that I teach it. One is just a head snap. So you're going from the high side and you're going to turn, and it's just a head snap, get your butt to the baseline, and now you're looking over your left shoulder. So you go from looking over your right shoulder, you turn right, you just go face to face, I mean chest to chest basically, and turn and face when the ball goes to that wing, and now you're left, now you're left hand in front, and your butt to the baseline. The other way to, that I hold teach on, Hold on, coach, I want to make sure that everybody, so, so you're almost okay. like doing a, a spin move in front. Is that, is that correct? You're putting move, your shoulder a, in front, you're turning, and you're keeping – a shoulder and hand in front at all times, yep. correct? And you're always facing your defender. Got it. You never, never back to the, on that move, never a back yep. to the defender. Right. So you're, you're facing, it's just a turn. You know, it's kind of like dancing. You know, mm -hmm. you never, never, never lose sight of your partner. Yep. And so the other way then is to, I always call it a step off, step through. And so, so here we are on the high side. As the ball goes, we step up with our right foot swing our left foot through so now our back is to our to our opponent and we swing our rear our, our rear turn with your right foot down to the baseline so it's it's you've done the same same thing but your back is now to the partner so you step up with your right step through with your left swing your right foot down and so so now your right foot is on the low side left foot on the high now you're still back in that half front half front spot um the reason that, you know, one of the things I think, Steve, you have to also put together with what you have going on on the perimeter, which is all kinds of ball pressure. You know, I mean, I know that there are schools of thought that they play. They play the pack line defense. They play help line. They play elbow help. You know, Coach Izzo is a great friend, and I, I watch him teach that elbow help, and his guys are really good at it. You know why they're good at it? Because he knows how to teach it. I tried that one time and I, and it was awful. It was terrible. <laughs> and I thought, what are we doing here? We're not even, I, this is not how I'm used to coaching. So we went, we went back to the old way. Um, the big reason that the big reason they do it at the higher levels, I do know this is that they don't deny because, you know, I remember Gary Waters when he was at Rutgers said to me, he said, Matt, how, how often do you steal the ball? Really? I said, well, it isn't so much steal the ball. I want to control the tempo of what's going on in the possession. And I thought, well, you know, that was pretty bold of me to say that. But, but he said, at our level, he said, if we do that and we're not there, a guy's going to be biased. 
So there's a different level of quickness. And you played against those guys in Europe, so so you understand it. But he just his his big thing was we don't give that kind of pressure, and that's why we play behind in the post. Now, because they don't want people going off the bounce, because this day and age, it's all about going off the dribble, you know. And so, so my thing is that, 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 and my philosophy was and still remains that we've got to get good ball pressure. When you can do that, you confront the low post. Mm-hmm. Always have weak side help. And, and if you have so good ball pressure, front the post with butt to the baseline front, and then good help, you're going to be in, a, you're going to be in great shape. No, those, those now, are great. Three great uh, teaching points. And keep going. But, but before that, I want to make sure that you called it a head snap. You, you taught yeah. two variations of front and the post. One was a head snap. Yep. And what did you head call snap. the other one? Step off, step through. Step off, step through. All right. That's just such mm-hmm. great stuff. I want to make sure I got the, I got the names down. So keep going. So then, then the, the, the other thing is then, okay, so what if we say play behind? Well, the biggest thing about playing behind is then you, you're counting on somebody helping out, digging down a little bit. And at that point, when your guy catches the ball in the post, because they're going to they're gonna catch it, then you better wall up. You better be able to come straight up. And if he turns and faces, you, first of all, your feet have to be able to move. And, again, I'm saying avoid the contact. But so now he catches. The second he turns and faces, you better wall right up on him. I don't. I never had guys wall up on a guy once he catches it, or, or when he catches it with his butt still to you, because you, he's he's got you then. If you make the contact with him, he's gonna he's gonna go by you one way or the other. Force him to turn and face, and if he turns and faces, now you come up in him and and you're right up in his face. <clears throat> but it's so hard for me to talk about defending that way, because I really don't. I don't believe. I I personally don't believe in it. I mean, mm-hmm. if a co- like, again, if a coach knows how to teach that, good for him because he believes in it and he knows how to do it. I just haven't ever learned how to do it. And the big reason is I thought that what we did was effective. Right. You know, and um, I think that's important that, you know, as, as coaches, just like this podcast, you know, the goal of this podcast is, you know, teaching, sharing, learning the game. So if we can continue to learn from one another, it doesn't mean oh, yeah. you have to you have to copy somebody. You know, you yeah. have to do what works for you. And there's plenty of room for being different while we continue to, you know, take pieces of other people's, you know, totally. coaching philosophies and add them to our own game. Totally, totally. Um, coach, leadership has always been a, a big aspect of, of your coaching style. Um, mm-hmm. It's always a big topic and, and useful to talk about, uh, especially among all sports that, that we play and in life in general, is there anything that you want to touch on with leadership or anything that you wish was more emphasized with this topic? Well, I think that, I think one of the things is, is that, that, that I've found is that as I've, you know, as my whole career has evolved in, in the coaching field and the business world is that um, there are always two sides to things. You know, I think effective leaders Effective leaders are those people who are able to to recognize um, differences with people and are good with being able to to understand that I you don't always have to be right um, you just have to be real and I think that that's 
that's one of the things that, that, that separate leaders, great leaders from average leaders is that people who are able to, um, just to, just to be real with one another. You know, I, I'm a big Brene Brown fan, and I know that a lot of times people refer to, to you know, Brene as, as the guru of, of all kinds of self-help and so on, but she's really great at leadership. She has an awesome, awesome book, um, just several books that, that um, one of them is called Daring Greatly, and, and she just has so many different ideas in these books about being daring to be vulnerable, daring to be honest, daring to have the hard conversations. Um, and I think leaders today, leaders in a home, leaders in a business, leaders of a basketball team are, to, and to do it effectively, you have to, you have to be a bit vulnerable. Um, I think that there, there is nothing greater than when you can say to somebody, you know what, I didn't really look at it from your side. And now when I step back and look at it, I really, I, I understand it a lot better. So thanks for pointing that out. You know, I just did a, I did a, a seminar with um, the, C, the C-level officer. So that's all the corporate level, the CEO, CFO, COO, uh, all the directors of, of, a, of a company. And we talked about um, daring leadership. And one of the things is, is that, can you imagine now if if a coach let's just say a coach I'll, I'll i'll use it in the coaching world but can you imagine if a coach went to his players and said hey listen i just want you guys to know that i'm here to communicate with you and it happens probably more at the collegiate level than high school but i'm here i'm here and i want to help you become the best you can be so i need to hear from you what that looks like i need i need you to tell me how can I best communicate with you? Or what are some of the things that you want to improve upon? But instead of a coach saying, I know everything that has to go on and I know exactly what you have to do and trust me, this is what's going to happen or whatever. But to go to a player and say, what are your goals? What are your needs? To, to show a sense of, you know, oftentimes people equate the word vulnerability or vulnerable as weakness. And I think it's the absolute opposite of that. It's absolute strength to be able to go to someone who you, whom you are leading and saying, I want to help you. I want to, to encourage you to or do whatever I need to to help you become the best you possible. And I just want you to know I'm here for that. So can you communicate with me some of the things that you, that you desire? I, to me, that, I think that's leadership. Well, and so, so with these C-level guys and, and women that I spoke to, you know, there were 30 of them. And I said, imagine this, that you went to one of your people whom you're in charge of, you know, if you got a team of eight or 10 or whatever, and you go and say, hey, listen, I kind of have an idea of what you do for your, for every day in your job, but you know what? I really don't. And I really want to do whatever I can to help you become the best at what you do. So I'm here to listen. And I'm thinking, you know, that, that's, a, that's a great situation. I, I will tell you that a great, a great story for me, and it's, and it's not any way, shape, or form blowing up my leadership. It is showing, again, a, a beg, borrow, and steal opportunity. But Mark D'Antonio, former coach of Michigan State University football, speaking at the Boys and Girls Club of Lansing, 
and my two boys went to, they had an opportunity to go hear him. And so Logan and Grant went to see him and Logan came back and he said, Hey dad, I think this is a great idea for you. <clears throat> this is, this, this is a great leadership thing. Cause it was a leadership conference they were part of. And he said, I think it's a great leadership thing. And I think you'd really like it. And so what, what he explained the whole process uh, of this, this kind of activity. And so what I did is I stole this idea from coach D'Antonio. I went to all these different people who supported my basketball program somehow. Guys who cleaned the locker room, guys who cleaned the, the floor, the trainers. You know what? The people who come in on the weekends who open up because, because we've got a game. The office secretary, the recruiting secretary, the, whoever it might be. And I went to them all and I said, what do you do to make our program better? And so then I would hear, hear their in, input. And I'd write it all down. And what are some of the things you like to do in your free time? You know, get to know that. I spent some time getting to know them. And I said, well, here are some things, all these things that you say you think you do to make our program better. Here are some additional ones that you do. And I would lay those all out. And, and then I would keep those on a note card. You know, and I still remember one of, one, of, one of the people that I interviewed. And to this day, she said, I have a rose garden. And I love to grow my roses. And so every, every year when I was a head coach, I said, hey, listen, I bet your roses are going to be incredible this year. I can't wait to see them. Let's them know you are in tune with them. And it was a total, I, I, you know what, I, I think God blessed me that day by, ha by having my boys go to that conference because Coach D'Antonio shared that. And I think, isn't that great for leadership in life? I mean, I have a team, I have a team here in my office of, of eight people. And I sat down with every one of them the first year I was here. And I took down notes. I still have them in my file of what they like to do in their free time, how they see their role in this organization. And that is, that's a level of, <clears throat> that's a level of vulnerability. It's not weakness. It's vulnerability by saying, I don't have the answers, but I sure want to get to know you and to help you become the best that you can be. I love that because as, Leaders are often thought of as someone who they're supposed to have all the answers. You go to them, they say this, and that's the way it goes. And, oh, yeah. and really, you're explaining just the opposite. Like in the very beginning, oh. you talked about first understanding another person's point of view, asking mm -hmm. your players, how can you help them reach their goals? And then you're right. touching on being vulnerable, right? That, that involves mm -hmm. vulnerability. You're, you're serving other people by letting them be in on that conversation. Totally. You're, you're getting to know them. You're, you're listening to them. And that is a form of leadership that I think when, when more of us begin to lead in that way, the way that that looks, the programs, the businesses, whatever it is that, that we're looking over, I mean, they're, they're, they're going to go off the charts, right? Because oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, of they, that they, they reach, they reach levels that they'd never have known before because all of a sudden, all of a sudden someone's saying, huh, I really feel cared for. I really feel like my, my, my director understands me. I really feel I can go to him or her when I have a situation here that, that isn't, that isn't going real well. Um, and then and what it what it does is it helps your people with whom you're in charge, your players or whomever, to become the same and to do the same thing. And how cool is that? 
Right. You know, like a kid, a, a 17 year old kid goes home to his mom and says, you know, mom, I know you've really been harping on me about doing this, this, and this. And I never once thought about it from your viewpoint. And you're, you're, all you're simply saying is it would really help our family out if you would do that. And I'm, you know, and a kid would say, I'm really sorry I haven't done that, but I'm going to do all I can to help it make, to help it be better around here by doing my part. Yeah. First of all, the mother would fall down. <laughs> Who are you and what's happening to my son? But if you think about it, that's, that's what we're doing as leaders. We model behavior. We model activity um, that, that allows to those who we lead to do the exact same thing, which I think is, I mean, even if take it, take it to you as a dad, take it to you as a husband, to myself as a father, husband, grandfather, there are, um, you know, I had an incredibly humbling moment as a dad one time that, that I came home and I was bringing the gym right to my dining room table. I mean, it was, whatever went on in the gym was right there, believe me. And finally, Kim said to me, she said, hey, look, I get it, but we're not your players. And so I literally, Steve, on my knees with my family around me, I asked every one of them to forgive me for that, for, for doing that. Because I totally was. I was bringing it all there. And, I, and sometimes we have to take that. Sometimes we have to, have to be able to be in that spot to be vulnerable and say, you know what, I was really wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and, then, and then, then move on from there. But, yeah. No, those are great. Those are great points. Yeah. Coach, to be near kind of the end of the podcast, is there, is there anything, anything, that you wish people asked you, but usually don't? Huh. Wow. Um, you know, I, I think going to be they're, firing they're, questions like this at you, did you? Yeah, I tell you what, you know, those are, I, th- those, those strike, those strike an, uh, an emotional nerve with me in a lot of ways. Um, um, I just had an occasion this last weekend, and I saw a c- couple guys that that played. And in fact, I one guy plays a guitar, and he said, "Hey, coach, will you sit in and sing a song or two with me?" So I sat in, and he was performing at a local place, and I sat in. These guys left Crane, and they both said, "Hey, coach, love you, coach." And so afterwards, um, I'm at home, and Ellery is home because of COVID, and she said, "Hey, Dad, did you hear those guys when they left?" She said, "Did you really hear?" Them? And I said, uh, no, they just said, hey, you know, or they, they were leaving. She said, Dad, they said, they said, I love you, coach. And I, I started thinking, and she, and she suggested it. She said, Dad, why don't, you, why don't you get in contact with some of your guys who played for you? Why don't you reinvest in them? You invested in them for four years when you had them. Why don't you reinvest in them? See how they're doing check in on their families, write them a note. And I thought, you know what? I think that coaches sometimes forget about that. They forget to, um, they forget to stay in touch. They forget to communicate. Um, you know, I mean, it was great for me to reconnect with you, but why, why do we, why do we wait for things like, like a death of a player, you know, like Kevin Ventimron, recently and, and all the guys get together it was so great to see him but why why do we wait for things like that well i think it goes in our in our as coaches as people um 
why why don't we just really invest in that side of things? Invest one time, but then reinvest later. Um, that's not really an answer to your question. What is one thing I wish people, I would say to them, or I wish they would say to me, but I think it's a crucial point. I think it's something that, that in life, um, you know, my, my high school basketball coach still means the world to me. And he continues to invest in me, um, check in once in a while. And I do the same um, because I think it's, it's really valuable. It's really important. So uh, sorry, I, I made, no, I made up great. my own question and answered it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that, that's part of being, uh, when you're being interviewed, answering good questions, you sometimes you create your own, right. own answers. Uh, last question. Yeah. When you're finished coaching in any way, shape, or form many years uh, from now, what is something that you hope that you can look back on and be most proud of? I think one of the things that, that I, that I do it already, and I'll get emotional talking about it, but I look at seeing guys like you, um, the guys you played with, the guys who played before you, the guys who played after you, guys who are all part of the program that I was part of. And I watch what they are today. I watch how they are as husbands. I watch how they are as fathers. I watch how they are as community leaders. I watch how they are as businessmen, teachers, whatever their calling might be. And, and it always makes me proud. It makes me proud because I had a brief time with guys like you, a brief four years, and I can look back and see what they've done. These kids that I train now, it is the best thing in the world for me to be able to watch them and watch them improve and now down the road, they'll be able to say, hey, coach, we play at, at uh, Oakland University on Wednesday night. If there's a chance you could come. I'd love for you to come watch. And to hear back from them and to see what they have become. Because you know what? I mean, life is about giving away. And so if you're able to give something away that causes somebody else's life to be better, good job. Well done. And that's so I guess that's what, proud of it. Yeah, that's, that's what I would be proud of. Coach, I wanna I wanna commend you, um, especially go, growing up as a as a young man, as a college player playing for for you at Hope. Um, you're a great example. Um, having four kids at home, four young kids at home when I was playing, of what it looks like to be successful on and off the court, a successful wow. family man and a successful basketball coach, showing that it can be done on both ends. And I know it's not easy nor should it be, uh, but, right. but that it can be done and, and being successful on one side doesn't mean that you can't have it on, on the other side. Um, and then I wanted to share one other thing that always stuck with me all these years later is every once in a while, and you may not even remember this at all, but at certain practices, we're getting ready to be, be a, a preseason fall workout. And every once in a while, you would, you would just say, anybody can be average. Anybody can be average. And that, as you can see, that comment still stuck with me today because right. um, it, was, uh, it was just that small reminder, just one sentence of, you know, when I heard you say that, I don't ever want to be average at anything that I do, whether that's in basketball, whether that's coaching, whether that's uh, as, a, as a father or a husband. And even though I wasn't 
you know, it wasn't my goal to just get through the day and, and be average anyway. It was that reminder of, yeah, today is another chance for me to separate myself with, you know, my effort or with the time that I put in with, with the, just the, the mental aspect of, you know, focus and attention to detail of I'm not going to be average. And every day that I have that mindset is another day that I can start to separate myself from everybody else, whether they're on my team, whether they're opponent or anything else. And that goes to, to applying in life. So I want to thank you for the, the messages, the example uh, that you were to me uh, as a coach. It means a lot. Still has made a positive impact on me. And I'll leave the closing, closing words to you. Well, hey, I think that, that that's, that's a really terrific, terrific line to remember. You know, I of course, I always put it with, hey, not one of you guys will go up to the looked in the mirror and said, hey, I want to be average, you know, or I want to look average. I kind of can make have a little fun with it, but it's the truth. You know, I think that, that one of the things that I've carried with me is maybe it, maybe it's it's something that I learned growing up on a farm that, that you, you know, hard, hard work pays off. And I guess I would encourage those those who are listening, coaches particularly, um, that, that it's the truth. You have to put the time in. You know, if you're a college coach, you know what, recruiting's hard, but you've got to get out and do it because the winter will be better if you have good players. Um, I think one of the things that, that I, I would uh, encourage people in this day and age of COVID and racism and so forth is that, um, you know, oftentimes we, we, want to, um, we want to be the absolute best. We, we strive to be the best. But sometimes maybe we ought to strive to make the world a better place. And so um, as we progress through these difficult times of, of COVID and the awareness of all these different racial incidences that have gone on in our country, maybe our goal as coaches is to help make the world a better place by, um, by teaching our players. And, and I don't like to use the word ignorance. I, I heard this the other day that sometimes we have, we have situations in our blind spot. It's not that we don't care, we just don't know. And, and that's not ignorance, those are different, it's not ignorance. So we just don't know. And so maybe what we need to do just as we drive, we need to look at our blind spot once in a while and encourage our players, encourage the people who follow us to look in their own blind spots. And my father is 83 years old. And I said, dad, you have a blind spot. And he saw his blind spot and came right on and talked about it. And it was really great. So I think that if, if we can, all of us who, all the people who are listening, all of us who are in, in any role, whatever, let's, let's examine our blind spots. Let's become, let's become the people that God wanted us to be and, and seeing people in his own image and, and treating people thusly. So I, again, my, my appreciation to you, Stephen, um, still remember the day you gave me a newspaper up at your house and the headline was Kramer decides on hope. And it was one of the, one of the more creative yeses I've ever gotten. I'll tell you that, but um, God bless you and your family. And, uh, and again, thanks for the opportunity. Thanks again, coach. And, uh, you know, for all you listening, thanks for, thanks for joining us on the Coach's Edge podcast. Get after it today and you know, dominate the details. Thank you for listening to these past two episodes on modern post-play and effective leadership. And a special thank you to Coach Neil for spending 
all of that time with us. He didn't have to do that, but he did. And we're all better for it. I loved the stuff on effective leadership, you know, and in many ways that falls right in line with what the coach's edge is about. Yes, of course, it's about giving coaches an edge in the game of basketball, but it's also about striving to make the coaching world a better place through our podcast, through our new website. And so we appreciate your support with that. And the best way that you can support us right now, hey, subscribe to the Coach's Edge podcast. Leave a positive rating, leave a positive review. That will go a really long way as I continue to try to bring in uh, great coaches, not only great basketball minds, uh, but people at heart that are also trying to serve the coaching community, the coaching world, and we all can get better when we're sharing that passion and that knowledge together. Thanks again and get after it today.